This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. What a look at that. Another year gone and all that quickly. Should old offenses be forgotten and ever brought to trial? <laughs> Happy New Year, Scatter Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. And Happy New Year, Scuttlebutt Nation. Welcome to the first show of 2023. I want to start out by expressing our thanks here at the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. If you've never missed a show, follow us, retweet us, answer, and interact with us. A big thank you, especially our wonderful patrons, and you'll hear a thank you to them a little later in the show. We want to extend our gratitude to all who listen. As of last December, we reached our year-end goal a few weeks early, a milestone for sure, 35,000 downloads of our shows for all time since we started back in 2019. If you're one of those 35,000, please let us know. As we always say, we love interacting with you on the socials. And if you decided to explore podcasts and stumbled on us, thank you for starting here. We're part of a network of content creators that specialize in shenanigans. So look for more of the Red 5 Network family at red5network.com. Speaking of, we are joined today by another Red 5 pod, Andrew and Marisha from thesciencefictionary.com. We're talking about notable weapons of mass destruction in the sci-fi and fantasy world that aren't the Death Star. I'm sure that the Death Star would be on everyone's list. So as we say around here, grab your sunscreen and your blaster, because it's always sunny on Scarif. Join us for episode 137, Weapons of Mass Destruction. Okay, Happy New Year. We're doing a little time travel tonight. We are recording December 27, 2022, and you're listening to this episode way off into the future, future, future. Shanti, tell us how your 2022 was. What's up, girl? It was great. <laughs> you're always, you are funny. I'm not, but we're, we're doing this in the, I don't know, because I haven't shot the fireworks yet. So oh, yeah, that's we'll right. We'll see how this that goes. Pre-fireworks, pre let's see if you survive. Uh. But um, yeah, thank you very much. Welcome to the first Scuttlebutt show of the new year. We hope this year for all of you is filled with blessings, hope, and a little Scuttlebutt to loosen you up. Tonight, we are going to be talking about um, weapons of mass destruction that are not the Death Star. And I had to put that in brackets when I posted about this uh, this show because everybody obviously is going to say the Death Star. Oh, my God, the Death Star. But let's uh, let's kick it up a notch and uh, exclude the Death Star um, because I know the Death Star is on everyone's list. But uh, we have uh, some wonderful guests. Our uh, favorite uh, – you know what? I'm going to call you guys from now on. You guys are the first family of the Red 5 Network because – we, uh, Brad we and I, the first family, right? Because you were the first family, yeah. But, um, you know, Brad and I, we did our, our first ever crossover episode with you guys, and um, it was about Princess Leia. And actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the anniversary. I mean, t I, I guess today or yesterday, uh, was yeah, the uh, sixth anniversary of uh, us losing Carrie Fisher. And um, I know that was on the Twitterverse all over the place the uh, last couple of days. Um, but yeah, we uh, we did our first crossover episode with you guys, and um, it has been fantastic. We love uh, collaborating with you. How are you, Marisha we're and good. Andrew? Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. Um, glad to be here as always. And uh, Super devastated to see the back of 2022. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I can I can hear your sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking forward to 2023. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a weird year. Oh, and actually, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, 2023 is uh, the, uh, I, and I can't even believe this. I told Brad this the other day um, because uh, Return of the Jedi is his favorite Star Wars of the original trilogy, but it is 40 years. It'll be the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Can you believe that? Yep. It's been a minute. Wow. We are old. <laughs> I was going to say, you're old. I was going to say, that's exactly, I was going to say, all, it means all you people who saw it in the theaters originally are. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Me either. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Weapons. Ro- of- Rose depressed now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm leaving. (laughs) All right. Weapons of mass destruction. We, um, I, I don't have, I'm not going to do like a top five. We can just talk about it. And I did obviously mention the death star because, uh, you know, as, as star Wars fans, that was obviously the one that, uh, comes to mind. Um, I think we've gotten, you know, speaking of return of the Jedi, we got the, uh, the second death star, which was, uh, twice as big and, uh, it was still under construction. Um, a big uh, community event, uh, the construction of that second Death Star. Um, and then uh, the sequel trilogy rolls around and we get another Death Star. This one is even yep. bigger. Naturally. Exactly. Of course. But um, yeah, Starkiller Base. Um, look it up if uh, you don't know about it. I'm sure you do. But um, what... Um, I was doing a little research because, uh, you know, I, I, I know a lot of weapons of mass destruction. I know them from movies and stuff like that, but I kind of wanted to get into some of the more, um, obscure weapons of mass destruction. And I know you guys do a lot of reading. Um, I was, uh, talking with Nick, uh, backyard TARDIS, uh, about some of the weapons of mass destruction in maybe some TV shows or movies that I'm not familiar with, or even books that, uh, that, uh, people have read and Andrew, you might have a, a good list, uh, there for, for that sort of thing. But, um, what are some of the what are some of your, I, I don't want to say your favorite weapons of mass destruction. It just sounds <laughs> odd. <laughs> what are some notable weapons there you of go. mass destruction? How can I kill a lot of people? <laughs> Jeez. Right? Yeah. Wow. As far as really obscure ones, there's one I'm going to pull from Star Wars, since we're we're excluding the, uh, the Death Star and a, a weapon that they potentially could have used in the sequel trilogy instead of another <laughs> Death Star was the Sun Crusher from the books oh. from the expanded universe yeah. um, because it did exactly what they set out to do with um, Starkiller Base. It had a weapon that was capable of eliminating an entire solar system by s- causing its star to go supernova. No, oh. oh. yeah. I thought you were going to say hyperspace ramming <laughs> from The Last Jedi. Because I mean, there's that always doesn't that. sound right. <laughs> you can use that clip for Scarif After Dark. I guess so. But uh, yeah, this, yeah, that's a good one. Shanti, you got one? Yeah, so I wanted to think a little more outside the box because I know when people think of weapons of mass destruction, they think of, you know, like you said, things like the Death Star, maybe some sort of huge laser beam like an Austin Powers. You know, you think of like guns and things like that. And I was thinking, what about more like the biological stuff? I would unleash all the xenomorphs from Alien. Oh, yeah. With all that acid that they spew. Like yeah. that's that's definitely a weapon of mass destruction. And then I decided to do a little bit of research to see what does the internet say about fictional stuff. And I didn't even think about this, but I guess you could consider the DeLorean a weapon of mass destruction because I, of I what you can you do can, with it. I think you can actually, I thought about this. I think literally any time machine is potentially a weapon it of is. mass destruction. Think of what you can do with that. I, I I mean, that could have some serious ramifications. And I thought that that was really interesting that that was thrown in there. Wow. Discuss. <laughs> yeah. 
I know there's a lot of time travel devices that are powered by something, you know, grand, whether it's, uh, I don't know, the TARDIS um, or, or, but it, it always, it always seems like it's powered by something huge or something, you know, dangerous if it's not uh, mm-hmm. contained in the right way. Um, but you're talking about uh, a time travel device where you can just go back in time and, I don't know, uh, affect uh, history and make it mm-hmm. uh, change the outcome of, of history. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that could be an ultimate tool. I mean, the ability to go back and totally eliminate the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. And if you're um, a Harry Potter fan, I would say like the Elder One, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the Time Turner, if you want to go in the form of yeah, time definitely, travel. Definitely mm-hmm. options there. Oh, yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marisha, you had a couple of screenshots, but uh, what are some of your notable weapons of mass so, destruction? My first one that um, I, I have a couple, but one that I kind of kind of we, we landed on pretty quickly is uh, Red Matter from oh. the uh, Star Trek 2009, right? You, one drop of it can cause a black hole, right? right? And so that's what starts all of our, our tragedy um, in the, that's what starts our whole new timeline, right? Our, our new Calvin universe. So uh, our red matter is definitely, I think, well, and one of the things we kind of talked about, Andrew, Andrew and I were kind of talking about this, you know, okay, so define weapon of mass destruction, because many of these things, like the red matter is not created to be a weapon. Right. It's created to, you know, control a sun from going supernova. So, yeah. but of course, anything with that much power um, is potentially a weapon. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's what I, f- I found really interesting as we dug into this. And it's not something that it ever really, I mean, I was aware of the weapons and how they worked and that a lot of these weren't created to be weapons, but can be used as a weapon. But really that that's what science fiction attempts to teach us about mm-hmm. these powerful things uh, beyond our control that, that we, we might create them for good, but what if the wrong person gets hold of it? Exactly. Um, and, and I think that that's a lesson that that sci-fi tries to teach us over and over and over again about things like that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, I think the ultimate weapon of mass destruction in this case would be mankind. Absolutely. Because you know we've got uh, we've got several examples of devices or forces that are created for something other than uh, you know than than evil. I'm thinking, uh, you know, the uh, the nuclear detonation. We've got uh, the Oppenheimer movie coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, getting back to, you know, the Star Trek reference, uh, uh, the first one on my list was the Genesis device. It is our intention to introduce the Genesis device into a pre-selected area of a lifeless space body, a moon or other dead form. The device is delivered instantaneously causing what we call the genesis effect matter is reorganized with life generating results when we consider the cosmic problems of population and food supply the usefulness of this process becomes clear this concludes our proposal thank you for your attention it literally is genesis Uh, It's interesting because, you know, the Genesis device, you know, gets deployed. uh, It rearranges uh, molecular structure to uh, break down what's there in favor of, of, uh, what did Spock say, a a new matrix. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what happens to the life that's there already? So, yeah, I mean, not, um, not designed to be deployed in places where, you know, uh, a society already exists, but... uh, Khan wanted to do just that um, as an act of revenge, right. et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, mankind, the ultimate weapon of mass destruction. And uh, you're right, uh, Andrew, sci-fi, you know, teaches us uh, how not to do things. I'm not yeah. sure if, uh, if those lessons are sticking. <laughs> right. No, no I, don't, I don't, I don't think they do, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, kind of a parallel to our real world, because really it's kind of set in our future. The the books are is is Dune, uh, uh-huh. Dune, uh, the Stoneburners, which are basically nuclear weapons. They're they're the uh, they're the descendants of our nuclear weapons, is what they are. But they're they're scalable. Like they can literally launch it and determine how much fuel it should use when it hits. And at max power, it will literally burrow its way through a planet and 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 break it in half. So as far as from literature, that was another. That's one of the bigger ones, really. I, I mean, although it, for Dune, I mean, like the Fremen are the weapon of mass destruction in the Dune universe. True. As a culture, I mean, they just basically go through and, you know, kill billions upon billions of people across the galaxy. You know, they're 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 nothing not sophisticated, but they're uh, just that lethal. Yeah. You know, we uh, a while ago, uh, Shanti and I did an episode on. Uh, we reviewed and talked about uh, Disney's The Black Hole. And, um, you know, somebody mentioned, I think, natural devices or things like that. But there is a book by Alistair Reynolds uh, called Revelations, where they talk about black holes being created to destroy galaxies. And uh, it had, you know, under mysterious origins. But, uh, you know, the black hole, obviously, uh, we know the uh, devastating power of a black hole. Not even light survives its uh, gravitational pull. But... um, yeah, that's uh the the natural forces are something to be reckoned with for sure uh, when it comes to to destruction because you know it's funny because I yeah uh, I'm not a big fan of movies that deal with uh, man against nature because for me nature always wins and it's uh it's it's kind of boring like yeah what was that movie with the uh, uh with the storm or the hurricane uh, was George Clooney in that one. Sharknado. Perfect Storm? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Did Um, Andrew say Sharknado? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if I heard correctly. Well, and and I think a lot, in sci-fi especially, a lot of times you're weapons of mass destruction harness natural phenomenon things like black holes supernovas you know a lot of uh radio you know mess with the atmosphere so that you know the radiation burns everybody up you know there are lots of options for manipulating nature mm. um and, and and that's something that i think sci-fi explores a lot is yeah. different ways that you could you know that that the space race could be weaponized. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And in fantasy too, because being a avid game of Thrones fan, mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. wildfire is <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. insane. And mm-hmm. that's definitely something that could be used for mass destruction. And we saw how exactly that worked on the show. And it was pretty mm-hmm. devastating, honestly. So yeah, I wouldn't want to sure. mess with that stuff. I was talking to uh, Nick, as I said, uh, you know, he's a big, uh, he's a big Stargate fan. Um, I have not watched uh, the series other than just that movie, but uh, he mentioned uh, something called the Dakara super weapon. Not sure if mm-hmm. you're, you guys yeah, are familiar with that. Yeah, they basically, we've just been watching that arc with the Dakara super weapon. Um, it basically breaks things down to their, at, to, to their atomic um, yeah. like down, down, down to their, their base elements, mm. you know, anything it comes in contact with. So it's got the ability to basically, uh, it, it's, it's the unbeatable weapon, right? There's no way to counteract, um, it's you know, force. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, you know, it's, 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 um, so yeah, that, that's definitely, yeah, Star, I was thinking Stargate's got a series of them at some point they blow a Stargate up and, uh, blow, you know, like send a bomb through a Stargate and blow up a ship and mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're Stargate deals with weapons of mass destruction on a pretty regular oh, yeah. basis. Yeah. He gave me a short list. So the, the Dakara super weapon, the Atero device and something called the Asurans, if I'm not pr- pronouncing it right, but. Yeah, so Stargate uh, 
lots of weapons there, huh? Always got to have the uh, the world ending, you know, situations. Going yeah, on. right. Yeah, exactly. That's too funny. You know, um, Andrew, uh, a while ago you were talking about how uh, Marvel needs to get back to. Or it needs to maybe get away from these universe-ending storylines. Um, but what mm-hmm. are some of the uh, what are some of the Marvel um, weapons of mass destruction getting into the the comic books and, and the MCU? Yeah, I mean, I think the most immediately present one in people's mind right now would, of course, be uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, right. Sure. I mean, there are others when you delve into the comics, and I'm not a huge comic person. That's that's David's role on our show, but. Uh, I mean, you, you have, um, you know, Marvel, Marvel is full of, of all sorts of powerful beings and powerful right. weapons. Um, things. And that's the thing, like, so at the point where you have a person capable of, you know, destroying the planet, you had a Legion show up or you have Galactus, a Magneto, right. you know, at right. what point are they, are they considered a weapon of mass destruction? Sure. You know, I, I think at some point somebody calls uh wanda maximoff a weapon of mass destruction absolutely yeah i, I think i remember that. that yeah and the you what know about the, phoenix She's right or the vision powerful. for sure yeah, yeah. Vision has definitely got the potential to be a mm-hmm. yeah so i mean you know well i mean you know just in the mcu i mean um ultron you yeah. would have to consider uh, a, a weapon of mass destruction it means mm-hmm. you know it's it's I don't know how to consider it when it's a person or something like that, but when it's a created thing like the Infinity Gauntlet or the uh, or Ultron, then mm-hmm. yeah, certainly. Or the Tesseract. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, any of the any, any of the Infinity, Infinity Stones, Stones sure. really. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then I was uh, when I was doing some research, the Stormbreaker was on people's list. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Sokovia? I think, right. <laughs> yeah. Sokovia, anyone? What? Sokovia. Sokovia. We'll always remember you. Well, that's why I was considering Ultron. Yeah. 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 But. He's not in Sharknado, Andrew. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Right, friends, time to say thank you and acknowledge all the wonderful souls that help keep the lights on over here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thanks. We're super lucky to have you. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons, Backyard Tardis, Nick Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel and catch up on his adventures in locksmithing. Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast, another Red 5 pod. Look for them on all the socials. Can't forget our other patrons, Rogue One Radio. Thank you, DJ. Steve and Nicole. And check out Comics and Cosmetics. Danny's got some lovely takes on comics and uh, cosmetics. Go subscribe to her show. Our Miami pal, The Frank. What's up, Frank? And Joey Rosales, longtime supporter of The Scuttlebutt. Thank you, kind sir. Massive shout out to my co-host and Mistress of the Dark, Chantel of Scarif After Dark. And the ever so wonderful Belinda. Thank you so much and I'm glad you're on this list. Big thanks to our other friends, Alex and Jay, and our resident classic Hollywood expert, one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons. And if you want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Dragon Buddy called up uh, the hotline, and uh, here's a, a movie that I have not uh, seen in a really long time, and I don't remember. I don't. I don't know if I saw it. I saw it in the theater, maybe, but I, I I remember seeing it like on home video. But it wasn't a movie that really stuck in my brain. But it is very popular, and I think there were some rumors that it was going to be either remade or a sequel. Finally, was coming out, and that's uh, the Last Starfighter. That was on my list. Um, Dragon Buddy's got a voicemail. Let's hear it. He's talking about the last Starfighter, uh, a weapon I don't remember, but let's uh, let's check it out. Boom. 
We have an incoming transmission from the Scarab Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Science fiction, weapons of mass destruction. Let's not forget Alex Rogan's use of the Death Blossom in Gunstar 1 from The Last Starfighter. Gunstar 1 used this to defeat Xur and the Kodan Armada. It left them drifting with nothing but life support until Greg was able to bring the ship back to life, and they saved the day with it. Uh, yeah, so the last Starfighter, it's it's an interesting one because it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a really fleshed out sort of sci-fi as far as the technical aspects. Um, but it was, uh, and that one was on my list because, yeah, I mean, he basically defeats, you know, he's able to use it. It's a one-off, like you do it and you're done, but he's able to defeat the entire enemy armada uh, by using that weapon. Um, so yeah, definitely falls under the category of weapon of mass destruction. Absolutely. We have a follower, uh, Vader Rapina that mentioned the sun crusher as well that you mentioned earlier. Um, he puts on his list, Starkiller base. And here's another one from the Marvel star Wars comic books back in the day, the world devastator. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. And something that I'm not familiar with, he uh, put down the Railgun, but I'm not sure what franchise that's from. There are a couple of sci-fi. A lot of the military sci-fi use variations of Railguns. Mm -hmm. I would assume just by the mention of Railgun that he's talking about the Halo franchise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Now, you know, when you talk about the Halo franchise, the Halo itself is... In a in immense weapon of mass destruction, it's created by an ancient race of beings to fight the flood, which is basically a parasitic zombie-like uh, creature that just seek to to take over all sentient life in the galaxy. So they're kind of the Borg, but less sophisticated. Well, they're they're just it's just zombies. Like think <laughs> okay. think think zombie movie, fast zombies. They these parasitic things take over the host and and take control. Um, and in order to come and combat them, the, the, this ancient race created the halos, which kill all sentient life within, I forget what the, 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 the radius is that it, it kills from, but basically it, instead of killing the flood, it kills their food. So basically this device if activated by the presence of the flood kills all sentient life within this certain range also activates there, there are multiple halos around the, the galaxy. So it activates all the halos, halo rings to just basically wipe out sentient life to keep the flood from spreading. Wow. Dang. Yeah. I mean, That's major dark. nerd. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. You know, another franchise that I'm not super familiar with that came up in the uh in my research, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's a uh something called the Supernova Bomb. You familiar with that? Sort of. <laughs> um that's in one of the later books. I've not read a lot of the later books in a really long time. Yes. Yeah, so- like 30 years. So <laughs> Supposedly, it connects every star's core through hyperspace and then triggers a supernova. Boom. Wow. (laughs) I would call that uh, mass destruction. Yeah, done. I mean, and and what about the Vulgon um, construction fleet? You know, they destroyed an entire planet. Yeah, yeah. they pretty much just allowed a grid and boom. Well, as long as we're going to talk about ones from from comedies, we got to talk about Mega Maid from Spaceballs. Spaceballs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. I was going to bring that up, but, you know, comedy. I was worried <laughs> that I'd offend Roe. Put it down. See, I'm more of a fantasy person, so I started thinking about dragons and the wildfire and wands and magic. Because mm-hmm. yeah, all of that in the wrong hands, you're done. There's one really, really big fantasy one that hasn't been named tonight. Maybe the ooh, biggest ooh. of all of them. It's going to be the One Ring, right? The One Ring. Oh, that's right. Rings. Oh, my God. So dumb. Yes. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Talk about powerful. Mm-hmm. 
going to level all the things. And Responsible like, for an awful lot of death. Sure. What about uh, in the literary world? Um, I mentioned that you guys, I know you guys read a lot, but what are some of uh, the notable ones in, in books? I know there's, you know, nowadays they're turning a lot of books into, into series. Um, you know, obviously we've got uh, Witcher, which was a game. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, uh, what are some of the ones in, in, in books that, uh, that you guys can think of? I mean, we've got the Doctor Device in um, Ender's Game, which is basically, I mean, basically the same thing oh, yeah. that we talked about with the, it, 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 it breaks down the bonds between uh, the atoms and, and molecules and just, you know, just disintegrates. Ooh, Everything science. Becomes, ooh, science. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so we've got that. We've got um, Foundation. You know, we kind of see most of the the WMDs and foundation are are a little, you know, just like, and it's a bomb, you know, and nothing really particularly sophisticated or. Yeah. Well, it's kind uh, of the same with, with Dune. It's. Yeah. You know, it's atomic weapons. Well, I mean, and, and at that point, I guess atomic weapons were kind of the cutting edge, you know, of what was possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that was about as far as, as, as imagination had gotten with weapons at that point. I guess. Right. Well, I mean, even if you look up the definition of the, the current definition of a weapon of mass destruction, it's atomic, biological, or chemical weapons. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Xenomorphs. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Tell you you got to have xenomorphs. See, I was um, always more into horror. So when it mm-hmm. came to reading, so Harry Potter is like the one-off for me. So mm-hmm. a lot of the curses that they use, you know, in the mm-hmm. books can just instantly kill people. You have the power to control people's minds. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, a black veil that if you get pushed into it, you die. <laughs> and it's a right, there's yeah, no yeah. coming back from it. Like imagine just being able to rope up a bunch of people and just dump them all behind that black veil. And then they're mm-hmm. gone. And that's it's dark. It is. It's very dark. The it's Harry Potter dark, books yeah. are Get they dark. are a little dark. Yes, yeah, they, they do are. Definitely go that direction pretty mm-hmm. quick. I've heard that um, about them. Let's see. So we've got Wheel of Time. We've got the One Power. Right. Is not technically. It's it. It's not just a weapon. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it is. It, it's basically the force. Ah. Um, you know, it's it's the power behind all things. But there are several several conduits that enable people to channel enough of the power to bring down entire cities. Interesting. So, I mean, I guess you can consider the conduits, you can consider their, uh, they call them um, Tongreals. You know, they're these devices that allow you to channel massive amounts of power. Um, so that's probably your weapons of mass destruction in in the dune verse not in the dune verse in the wheel of time world i mean i think you kind of get the impression that you know we've we've moved past you know atomic um the atomic age you know all all of the the kind of technology that went with that has sort of already come and gone by the time yeah our our story starts there so i really feel like in literature that it does lean heavily because you know, often science fiction literature is just reflecting our own world. And so I do feel like a lot more often than not, it's about, you know, nuclear weapons are the, Mm -hmm. the kind of the go-to. You know, interesting, interesting kind of on that kind of real world, um, kind of line of, of conversation. It's, it's a little, I don't know if it technically fits the criteria, but in foundation, like we do see them using bombs and things, but we also see a lot of psychological warfare going on. We see people putting things in motion that are just going to tick, 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 like, uh, like dom- like a domino effect that are bringing down entire civilizations, causing civil wars, killing massive amounts of people. Um, and it's not really anything 
exotic or notable other than putting all the pieces in place and flicking that first um, piece. And I, I guess that maybe kind of goes back to us as the ultimate weapon. Right. Um, because it's basically somebody just putting all the pieces in place for humanity to then destroy itself on whatever planet it happens to be making that decision. Yeah. Getting back to the nuclear, I, I think, um, you know, there, there, I think in the, in the seventies and eighties, there were a lot of like movies and things like that, that had, uh, that dealt with the abuse of nuclear power. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that how we got Godzilla? Uh, yeah. for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, um, invasion of the giant ants and everything that right. is exposed to nuclear power gets, you know, you know, becomes a, either a huge, you know, creature or a threat to society. Uh, so it, it definitely, it's definitely interesting going back in time and seeing how uh, movies and sci-fi in particular kind of reflected, like you said, our times. We yeah. were messing with nuclear power. Uh, you know, we got mm-hmm. stuff like Three Mile Island. Uh, Shanti, look it up, Google it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's you know it's it's uh, it's interesting. And what is the? Um, I, I guess I'm going to ask you guys this: What is the nuclear power of today's age? Where are where are the lessons that filmmakers are are showing us nowadays? What uh, are there are there any? I think it's AI. Oh yeah, for me it's AI. That movie Megan that's coming out. In oh January, my god! Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Like, but that's my mm-hmm. biggest fear. Terminator Judgment Day T two mm-hmm. is my biggest fear. Honestly, I mean, what's what is Skynet if not a a weapon or, or the matrix yeah. right you know right. what are they if not weapons of mass destruction maybe they didn't kill everybody as much as enslave them but still mm-hmm. yeah yeah and there's uh i was just watching a couple of videos uh some researchers that have been refining the um i guess the the movement of these robots um they're walking on a treadmill and they're getting pushed by these uh, technicians and they're, they're not falling over like the old robots Mm -hmm. are. They're rebalancing themselves and they keep going. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, just watching that sort of stuff is, is kind of scary. Like Shanti said. What's Mm -hmm. scary is that they've already developed a way to give these things some sort of skin where they can actually (sighs) feel. And I am not, down for that (laughs) it already attacked some seven-year-old kid that was playing chess against it so they are rising people yeah (laughs) build that bunker i feel like these people didn't read irobot right thank you or watch the office (laughs) (laughs) i just it, it made me think about how when dwight is talking about creating this powerful robot to you know as a weapon but you have to, he's powered by plugging him into the wall. So you give him a short cord so he can't go very far. <laughs> Dwight is the best. <laughs> I love him. He is the king. And you've got these, uh, we saw them in Book of Boba Fett, those, um, those robotic um, dogs. Mm-hmm. There were a shot in them. And I think there's a, there's a video of those particular robotic dogs entering a hallway and then they help each other in opening doors and going through. So no, it's like, yeah. why would you do that? Why would you teach right. them to do that? Don't want right. That. And again, it's, you know, again, it's a, a, a tool that has been created for, right. You know, very benevolent purposes, rescue, you know, or, to rescue right. or to, to get supplies into soldiers that are, you know, on the battlefield or to get wounded soldiers off the battlefield, right. you know, yeah, it's a benevolent purpose, but I, I think that's what, you know, Safa again says, yeah, you're doing this for good reasons, but right. Mm-hmm. We just here's can't, where it can go wrong and we just can't and, help ourselves. <laughs> and I feel like that's what Safa does with with powerful weapons. And then fantasy, you can con- contrast it with fantasy where fantasy doesn't create these big spectacular things, but it imbues everyday objects with power. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be a ring or a sword or sure. a wand or a, a wand. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that or is a interesting. statue. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We do cool. need to do an episode on this. I had written some stuff up about 
sci-fi and things of that nature kind of being a warning and we are clearly not listening. <laughs> it's like everyone, it's like on the regular, I'll be reading things and I'm like, <laughs> like, I know I saw this movie somewhere. Oh, wait, right, no, yeah. this is it the newspaper. <laughs> See that movie? Yeah. Like, no, no, it's, it's real life it's now, like Marisha. The AI yeah. thing, man. Well, it, it, it's warnings, it's hope for humanity, and, and all these other things. It's the reason I believe sci-fi is the most important Absolutely. genre, especially a film. I, I think that mm-hmm. uh, it teaches us more about ourselves than any other genre. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, genetics, I think, is another one yes. that is going to become a real, you know, a world where you can literally go in and alter your embryos to, you know, give them the hair you want, the That's eyes crazy. you want, or take away the pre- genetic predisposition for cancer. Yeah. So crazy. Or make them stronger. Or, okay. So like, what well, is this going to... Designer babies. Designer babies. Yeah. Like... This isn't just this isn't just a theory anymore. No. This is no, it's a reality. Oh my god, we can okay, so again, great ideas. If we have a, a a mother for who can't carry her baby to term, no problem. Artificial womb. I don't know about you, but I saw that movie <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. And it's never a good thing. No. Like, I mean, what what are going to be the psychological impacts, if nothing else, of children who are gestated artificially? Mm-hmm. Like, well, then you get when you look at the way that the world is going with, um, you know, copywriting food. You're, mm-hmm. They're basically copywriting the DNA of mm-hmm. those plants. Uh, when you talk about um, all the genetically modified corn, soybeans, mm-hmm. rice, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's to say that you start creating designer genetics? Who owns it? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like we get uh, a whole bunch of super soldiers uh, like uh, the eugenics wars in Star Trek with uh, Khan and the rest of his uh, group. Yeah. And I think that that is because it's always going to be the military is always going to be the one who's going to be funding these things. Because they're the ones with unlimited cash supplies and no conscience. Right. You know, um, the, the, I don't even remember what it came from, but the scientist who says, you know, we were so preoccupied with the question of whether we could, we never stopped. Jurassic Park. It's should. from Jurassic Park. It was Park, a Jurassic yeah. Park. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah right yeah like, but it's hey, so true everyone, i think that's uh, one of those great movie quote it's perfect yeah it's perfect for so everything frequent. that came before and mm-hmm. since when it comes yes. to teaching lessons through this genre and oh, yeah, they're like hey um we decided we can re uh we, we've got enough gene you know genetic material to recreate mammoths yeah <laughs> why <laughs> like do we need to didn't you see that movie? Yeah. It had its time. <laughs> it had its time. Well, and it, and it goes it goes beyond that. It goes to the to this desire to resurrect extinct species. Mm-hmm. Um but also in creation of new species. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is really what the new Jurassic Park movies have have mm-hmm. explored, sure. the, mm-hmm. this creation of of things, of, of things that are other, things that didn't come before, but but brand new things. Okay, it's, so you want to, yeah. Well, it's just the whole playing God thing. Well, I mean, dinosaur, dinosaurs ascended them to battle. Like, that's something that we went into. I mean, there's a there's a WMD right there is yep. dinosaurs. Who would have thought it? I hit, You're messing with things that you shouldn't mess with. Yeah, Certain that's where. things had their time. Don't right. touch it. Just leave it alone. I just, I, I don't like messing with that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's where um, one of my favorite quotes comes into play, and it's from Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not to get nerdy, but it, it science fiction and comics and all this fantasy stuff that we love, you know, it, it really does kind of put... Um, you know, put us through the looking glass when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, our society and, and, and what we do, the decisions that we, we, that we make, uh, how it affects the rest of the world, because we are all, uh, we are all connected 
and our decisions do impact others. And uh, through the movies, we we definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what Andrew said really, um, really, you know, hits it right on the head. Uh, science fiction and this this genre really is uh, such a, a unique way to to uh, to to inform us, a unique way mm-hmm. to examine our condition. And um, I just I don't know. It's it's weird to me that people are out there that don't like this this genre because it you know my son and i were talking about this just the other day it helps us think outside the box absolutely Mm -hmm. very interesting some people though really aren't interested in in to some extent you have to be at least a little bit of a philosopher to like sci-fi yeah you have to be willing to look at things a little differently and it's just not some people's jam some people are just only interested in very concrete and what's in front of them. Right. They got the blinders on. Yeah. And sometimes not even the blinders. I think, uh, you know, like you said, it's just not their jam. Um, yeah. It's something that doesn't really connect with them. I mean, it, you know, to me, it fascinates me to, mm-hmm. to think about certain science fiction concepts that are, you know, you know, somewhat based in reality, but you know, they, they pose the question like, what if, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Let's, let's think about that. Let's take it the next step closer because i think if it yep. weren't for the what if we you know we wouldn't have been able to send man to to the moon we wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to engineer all this wonderful stuff that we mm-hmm. use you know the technology um we'd probably still be living in caves oh absolutely it's part of who we are as humans the ability to 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 question okay but what about that right yeah you know the the, the ability to ask what if is one of the things that defines us yeah. as well, I mean just generally speaking I mean that's the beginning of the scientific method mm-hmm. absolutely asking a question right mm-hmm. about something that doesn't exist yet I love it it's fascinating science it's science like I said earlier science. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got another voicemail from one of our favorite patrons, Nick from Backyard Tardis. Let's check it out. We have an incoming transmission from the Scarab Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude. Hey, this is Nicholas with the Backyard Tardis, and you asked if uh, what massive destruction weapon do we like outside of the Death Star? And I got two for you. First, from Stargate. We have the Temple on Dakara. This is an ancient device that can wipe out any form of a typical type of life in a whole galaxy. So whether it's all carbon-based, you can get real specific or real that. So you have to know what you're doing. Uh, in fact, SG-1 had to call on Ball because they needed the help of a god to understand it. But it is a powerful weapon that is able to eliminate some of the most powerful villains that they face, getting rid of the replicators. Uh, but what could top that? In Doctor Who, you have the moment that was seen in the 50th day of the Doctor that can re- erase an entire species out of time. This is the most powerful weapon the Time Lords have ever experienced. And not only that, it comes with a consequence, though. If you use it, but also, it comes with a conscience. So it has you foresee what will be the effects of you using the item. That is how powerful that it comes with a built-in conscience to make you really think about whether you should use the device. And spoilers, the doctor ultimately chooses not to use it um, because it's that dangerous of a device. So I think that is the ultimate you know, uh, doomsday device in all of sci-fi. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on it. That's the scuttlebutt. Well, this episode has turned into uh, such a wonderful discussion on philosophy, and um, I can't wait to uh, to see uh, what kind of feedback we get. Uh, we're talking about weapons of mass destruction. Um, at the beginning, I said, let's not go into the Death Star, but uh, 
let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Death Star. It's uh, one of our first um, forays into weapons of mass destruction. These planet killers. And uh, back in the day when we saw the destruction of Alderaan, our jaws dropped, I'm sure. The Death Star, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Sure does. It's very <laughs> nice. exactly what it's out to do. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, especially sci-fi that was kind of written in the next couple of decades after World War II really was grappling with questions like, you know, who did it, it? I mean, it matters who has the bigger stick, right? So then is the question, do we, do we then carry a bigger stick? Or is this just a competition to constantly see who can carry? What are the, the implications of weapons that are always bigger and bigger and bigger? Um, you know, whenever we saw, whenever they saw what, what a, an atomic bomb could do, I think it really, made people step back and really realized that the potential for destruction, that mankind's potential for destruction was unlimited. Um, And I think the Death Star is kind of one of, one of the best kind of places that they explored that because they didn't just destroy a city, right? They destroyed a whole planet. planet. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know, and the implications for the people and the people who had loved ones there, you know, there's a lot going on. Right. Well, and in, in contrast to a lot of things we've discussed tonight, there's no benevolent purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's to strike fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like what Marisha said, they just went even bigger. And then you had the Starkiller base, which was able, we saw, was able to destroy three planets at once at three different, you know. Yeah coming up so yeah but i think we've discussed uh the fact uh, i i guess we've uh, unofficially come to the notion that uh, man is probably the most uh the biggest threat uh it's one of the biggest weapons of mass destruction based the on the biggest suck. threat to humanity is humans, is humans. yeah <laughs> suck i'm sorry yeah but we do we just can't help ourselves Any uh, final thoughts on weapons of mass destruction that aren't the Death Star? What do you guys think? Or that are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, it's interesting. With sharks. lasers on their beat. Yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. Dr. Evil. Just Missile toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds like that could be dire. Yeah, there you go. But it's, it's all it's it's all very interesting, and it and it's interesting if you look back. I mean, you know, mankind's had a an interest in these extraordinarily powerful weapons forever. I mean, you look back at you know even back into mythologies. You know, look into Greek mythology. Look how powerful some of the weapons. The lightning you know, Zeus's lightning bolt, Poseidon's trident, Thor's hammer, Thor's hammer. You know these extremely powerful weapons so this this idea that we have an interest in these things and exploring these things is not new and and i find that interesting well the idea that we could get an object whether it's a mystical object or or a created object that there's something out there that can make us totally safe that that can't be overcome can't be um, mastered mm-hmm. that that if only we had this thing, you know, and and whatever this thing is, I think has has changed with the sophistication of technology. You know, if only we could have this, you know, God defending us with this magical lightning bolt or thunderbolt, or we could have, you know, if only we had a gun or a cannon or a you know a, a, a nuke. You know, this idea that if only we had this thing, you know, I think it's kind of part of who we are as people. This idea that if we just had enough power, we would be totally safe. And how much power is enough? Mm-hmm. More. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, even the the um, ancient um, weapons or the ancient artifacts that you mention, you know, those weren't per se created for benevolent purposes. Those were created to strike fear and control others that might threaten you 
So we've had this in our DNA for a very long time, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Just want to be on the good side of the person wielding the weapon. Yeah. Wow. Too many people want to play God and that's the problem. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and that is like, isn't that It's like the, the Lex Luthor syndrome. Point? Yeah. Isn't that the right. point of sci-fi? Oh, mm-hmm. geez, you want to talk Superman? Man, talk, talk weapons of mass that's destruction. That's like, <laughs> like Lex Luthor plenty. would give anything uh-huh. to be like Superman. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a basic human thing. How many of us sit here and ponder and wonder, which superpower would I like to have? You know, it's just. And what would you do with it? We don't want to be mere mortals what is what it, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, and also, I mean, like, like Hitler's obsession with. Oh, yeah. uh, with with items of power, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find these supernatural weapons, right? In case he lost the race to build the a bomb, right? Which he did. Yep. Thank God. <laughs> well, we'll but, we'll like, see if he's su- real. We'll see if he succeeds this summer when we see what? Indiana Jones oh, Five. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. true. It's true. I think I see a Nazi bell in one of those diagrams. Oh, geez. Here we we'll go. We'll see. I do we'll want to see, see Oppenheimer, happens. though, because I know he very yeah. much greatly regretted making the, right. yeah. Yeah, the atomic bomb. So it's going to be an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, let's go around the table and uh, tell uh, the lovely folks that are listening where people can find you, Marisha, Andrew. You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, and I'm P Padawans on Twitter. Also, you can find me running the Twitter account for our show at saw underscore fictionary, and you can check out all of our podcasts. And uh, links to our our YouTube and everything else at thesciencefictionary.com. Beautiful. Shanti? All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at SelenaKyle29, unless I changed that recently because I don't remember anymore. Um, I'm on Instagram at SelenaKyle2929. And you can also find me on both Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok through Scarif After Dark. Very nice, very nice. And remember, the Science Fictionary and Coruscant Radio Underground is part of the Red 5 Network. You can find the rest of us Red Fivers at bio.link slash red5 or over at the red5network.com. On behalf of the Red 5 Network and uh, us here at the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Happy New Year, everybody. Weapons of mass destruction. What do you guys think? I love pushing our hotline, so give us a call, 773-234-8659. Leave us a voicemail, just like Dragon Buddy did. And before I leave, I want to make a quick announcement. Our friend Nick is starting a podcast, and we are going to have segments of uh, his uh, podcast here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Starting next week, uh, his podcast is going to be called Nick Flicks. And um, his first episode, I think, is going to be Top 10 Movies of 2022. Hi, this is Nick Meir, and I want to give a special thank you to Roe and to the Red 5 Network for letting me make this big announcement. I will be launching in the next couple of months my very own podcast called Nickflix, where I will give you some binge-worthy great movies from the past 40 and 50 years. My first guest is the very awesome, very talented, very amazing Madame Chantel. And we will be going back to school where we discuss classic high school movies over the past 40 years. Stay tuned to see what's in the queue. Thank you. Looking forward to that in late February or mid-March. But uh, like I said, we're going to have a couple of teases here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And I think his, uh, what's his handle? I believe it's M underscore Nick 89. There you go. He's That's really it. nice, and he's been working on this for quite some time, so I hope um, he, can, he gets a lot of support. And of course, I plan on being a guest. Absolutely. Nick is one Lovely of our guy. favorite yeah. internet friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. We love our internet friends. Excellent. Shanti, take us out, sister. That's the scuttlebutt. Woohoo! Woohoo! 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Just wanted to remind you all, we can be found wherever you find your other favorite shows. iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Backtracks FM, Podtail, Owltail, Google Podcast, and of course, our own Red5Network.com to name a few. And don't forget to drop us a voicemail at 773-234-8659, our Scuttlebutt hotline. We want to hear what's on your mind. Your call is very important to us. Let us know what you think of the show, what future topics we should tackle, or just to say, hello there. Please hold. 